0: All profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you.
1: Corporate America is on welfare and you've got to get them off welfare.
2: Hi, welcome to Cars and Comrades, your socialist streetcar podcast. My name is Bryant. We've got Brandon, Connor, and Zach here today. How are you all doing today?
0: Doing well. Doing good. Eh.
2: So uh, we got a few different things to talk about this time around. Sort of the main topic is going to be the early history of streetcars. So I was going to do an episode on the GM streetcar conspiracy, but the more look I looked into it, like the history of streetcars is really fascinating by itself. So I got By the up- way,
3: I feel like now you should you should mention that by streetcar you do not mean modified cars that are run on the street like mine. You mean trolleys essentially Trolleys, yeah, <laughs>
2: trams, you know, light rail, whatever you want to call it, you know, little <laughs> small trains that run on the street. Yeah, so also we,
1: for for anyone coming us to us uh, uh, looking for updates on the news, we, we have collectively decided off air we will not be contributing to the hot take industrial complex this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you have an opinion about Russia or Ukraine, like good good for you, because we're not fucking helping you.
2: Yeah, like if you if you find some news stories that relate to cars and or communism happening in Ukraine and or Russia, like send it Send those to us, but like, as near as I can tell, none of those things are happening over there so yeah
1: after after Zach came out hard in favor of Ukrainian fascists <laughs> to come of <laughs> uh, uh, uh. maybe maybe someday we'll
3: have a patreon where you can hear our hot takes, but uh that doesn't exist yet, so
1: <laughs> there are no yeah. fucking hot takes war bad, killing people yeah. bad, war bad, until it's class war.
2: Oh, yeah, no. That's, class that's war stuff.
1: good, state war bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, class war is happening whether we want it or not. It's, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know, I'd d- rather
3: there wasn't class war. I'd rather we lived in a communist world, but we don't, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just, you know, whose side are you on? So uh, probably get up to about like 1900, 1914, somewhere in that range. Um, and then next time around, we'll go into more depth on the GM streetcar conspiracy and why alfred p sloan was a bag of shit and uh yeah you know like if you're listening to npr and it says this story brought to you by the alfred p sloan foundation you know that's just a robber baron trying to launder his reputation by setting up some dumb charity to
3: to you know preach liberalism
1: or whatever yeah that's
3: what all that's what all philanthropy is
1: uh for anyone not well versed in history robber baron is the historical term for tech billionaire (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, except back then, you know, the tech was like uh, the electric starter motor on cars. You know, <laughs> that was a big deal back in the day. Uh, well, that was Kettering. And by out. what the I said, was
3: the, after our last, after our last uh, historical series, the bicycle was fucking tech. One, once upon a time. Oh yeah, I mean that'll <laughs> make beads, a, for sake. <laughs> <laughs> That'll
2: make a brief appearance in this one, or maybe the next one. I'm not sure what our schedule looks like, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I guess we should. Start on our project car updates because it's been a while since we all talked together, um, and also, Jesus what's that?
1: I said, Jesus Christ, I've had a week.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I've had some an interesting time myself. But uh, what I I always forget, you know, this is a theme now. I forget what order we're supposed to go let's in. Let's
3: go alphabetical this time. I think we've been reversing
2: okay. a lot. So, all right. So Brandon, let's let's hear about your your week.
1: So there's, there's a special frustration that is even rare amongst car guys, and that's when you have three or four cars, and they're all broken down at the same time. <laughs> it
3: seems impossible. Every time. It seems like <laughs> it, that's not going to happen because I have so many, and then it happens every time. Sorry. I get it. I, I get it. I mean,
2: it. yeah, it's happened to me, like, several times.
3: How are they always 82. broken? I don't – how? <laughs> I spent so much money.
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I feel this. I feel no, it's, this. It, when when your reasoning is like, okay, I drive shit boxes, so I'm gonna have one that runs good, and then a backup and a pinch, and then a backup for that weird day when both <laughs> of those are broken How is down. it not
3: enough? How is and it then, not enough?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry,
3: I might I'm I'm having a moment here because I feel it.
1: Yeah. Sorry, the, okay. The, so so the Cutlass has been on a spare tire for a minute because th- that's its own thing, and, and more or less, I've been working a lot up until my layoff last week, and I just didn't feel like dealing with it. I think I actually might buy new rims for it completely. So I don't want to buy new tires until I've decided that, but that's neither here nor there. It's not really safe to drive right now. And I haven't been driving it. My Chevy, like my 75 Chevy van that I always fucking drive and was like my daily driver without fail until I bought this Ford, (laughs) uh, got jealous. And, uh, one day it just wouldn't start and it ended up (laughs) being a really simple fix but not before being a huge headache for not starting when I needed it. And the Ford wasn't running right. Great. Uh, Yes, because my Ford is having some weird issue. It's it's running really bad. And I think it is just that there is no, like, uh, you know, basically cold air intake. Like uh, those those little like air cleaners usually have a snout that goes in front of the, the radiator and mine doesn't. Oh, uh, so yeah. once the engine gets up to temperature, if I get stuck in traffic or I let it sit for a little while or anything like that, it just runs really poorly. And I think it's just cause it's sucking hot air, but I thought that I was getting some vapor lock. So I tried to like tweak my fuel line. Cause it was really close to the block and the head. And I put a little dimple in it that just made it so that I was not getting any fuel to the carb. Um, mm. I didn't realize that immediately because when it was, hot and up to temperature it ran worse than normal when it was hot but it did run but once it cooled down it wouldn't even start because it wasn't it takes high rpms for the fuel pressure to get past the bend that i had accidentally put in the fuel line Mm.
3: and it just
1: but it it just like oh god It, it was it was all minor stuff mechanically and then I was visiting a friend, and he was just like, oh, you got a little bit of uh, crusty spots in in your uh, rocker. And I'm like, yeah, they were like that when when I bought it. And the guy was up front with me that he thought that it was just the Bondo separating from the the work underneath. Yeah, so while uh, looking closer at my rocker, which has gotten slightly worse since I bought it because of the salt on the road here, I realized so much bad stuff. Hmm. Okay, so... My assumption was that somebody didn't clean out rust adequately before bonding over this and painting it. I was so generous uh oh, in assuming that. Oh, no. So when I saw that, one of the first things I checked was that the inner rocker was intact. And it was, which makes what I'm about to say even more confusing. The rocker is full for the entire length of the rocker that I can tell With spray foam. Oh.
0: What the fuck?
1: Nice. Yeah. The parts that appeared to be Bondo separating from from rusty metal were, in fact, somebody carved the foam and Bondoed over it directly.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, that wasn't good
1: enough. Okay, wait, Uh, hold on. Maybe I'm not
3: understanding. So. No, you are. Inside the rocker, they filled it with spray foam. And okay, so
1: that is a really bad technique that we use here. Uh because we have cars have to pass safety inspections and intact rockers are required. Like that's bullshit. If, if, Number one, yes.
3: that's bullshit.
1: It's I think it's more of an issue when in like like modern like monocoque frames where arguably the rocker and surrounding structure are structural to the car. Fair. Okay. Yeah. It's a moot point. <laughs> In older vehicles, because like even these vans are not technically full frame, but their construction is a full frame with the body spot welded to it. So that does technically count as unibody, but it effectively works like a full frame. Okay. Yeah. But yes, so here, what people will do is, if your car's in really bad shape, but you have a friendly mechanic who will let you pass inspection for one more year... They will fill something with spray foam and then put, like, something over that so that it seems like there's structural integrity. And then basically tell you that's the last time your car passes inspection. Shit. Now, this van is in generally good enough condition that I have no fucking clue why someone would do this. The rocker panels are one of the only body panels for this van you can still buy.
3: That's actually surprising.
1: Uh, rockers are generally a thing that goes and therefore gets reproduced. Um, well,
3: no, I, I'm, what I'm surprised by is that that's one of the only parts you can still get for it.
1: Oh, um, I mean, I remember, I'm, yeah, I'm not I don't sure. remember exact years, but this body side was only in production for seven or eight years. Like, oh, okay. Gotcha. And it went out and I, I think, well, no, let's see 60, I believe it was 68, eight to 74, 75. I think, no, I think 74. I think mine's last year. So what, what is that? Eight years. Yeah. They just, and a lot of them came off the road because they kind of didn't sort a lot of the bugs out and they just started rotting really badly. Like that's, that's why I actually paid for this vehicle. Cause it's hard to find them in decent condition.
3: That whole, that whole era of cars rotted out.
1: Okay. And, and these specifically, they had problems with the frame rotting out where the, uh, gearbox for the steering was located. Hmm. which scrapped them real fast. Gotcha. Because like once that frame part is gone, it's it's either like, you know, heavy repair work or like there, there's no ignoring it. Like if your frame has a bad spot in the back and you're just like, well, don't hit any potholes too too big. Uh, oh, that's maybe... like, oh, the, the frame is rotted. And now the steering is no longer connected to the vehicle.
3: Maybe I'm a, a conspiracy theorist on this, but I feel like the 70s was like the heyday of... Uh, Engineered Obsolescence. I I thought that was just like where they deliberately made cars that would rust out eventually. So you'd have to buy a new one because like all the 70s cars, they didn't drill holes in rockers. They made sure that shit leaked in a certain way that it would pool in certain spots in the car and every frame rotted from the 70s. I I thought that was kind of just the the thing.
1: Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm
3: wrong, but. (laughs)
1: Either way, I, I now, at some point, whenever it gets nice out, have to cut my rocker out and get all that foam out because that foam absorbs water and will just destroy everything from the inside out. Yup, right. My saving grace is that there's no signs of rot on the inner rocker from underneath the van, so if it has rusted the inside of the inner rocker, it has at least been minor enough to not rot it.
3: Well, that's good. You, I mean, a little... Little rust remover and a new uh new outer rocker and you'll be in business it's probably yeah the best, i like
1: really yeah it's oh god it was i was so upset when i found, like I, I i went to go pry a piece of what looked like rusty metal off with a screwdriver and my screwdriver just sank oh. all the way in oh. it hit in a rocker <laughs>
3: oh <no. laughs> oh man i'm sorry oh and
1: and as as i discussed off air this was this was on the same day that I had already spent six hours trying to verify my identity with the unemployment office <laughs> because there is now a third party uh identification f- f- like like verification uh, thing going on there that didn't need to exist, so in addition to not being able to speak to a real person, you have a computer program that just doesn't accept reason.
3: <laughs> oh my God. baby, I love it. I am. I'm a, oh, Capitalist by the way,
1: innovation is killing me.
3: Sorry, I, really? I forgot. I forgot to say I've become uh, an ancap now, so I'm still an anarchist, but I <laughs> I believe in the wonders of the free market.
1: All right, everybody, keep your children away from Connor. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've been convinced by people on uh, by ancaps who comment on our stuff on Instagram.
0: they They have such solid and convincing arguments it's really hard to to Uh, go against them it's very scream that violates the nap over and over
3: again (laughs) yeah they uh they just define everything in such a way that it works for them so now i'm now that's what i believe now anyway sorry bad joke continue
1: oh there's not really a whole lot left to say i just Over the course of a few days, it went from like everything was fine to nothing was running. And my my favorite new toy is rotting from the inside out.
3: Woo! The fuel
1: line is fixed. It's still running rough until I put a snout on it. The van ended up just being a bad coil, which is extraordinarily easy to replace and inexpensive because it's a Chevy. Uh, It it was $30 and took me a whopping uh, 20 minutes to do that. That's not bad. No, but it was the diagnostics plus i drained the battery trying to get it to start because it was like 15 degrees went the day that it went so i just thought that it was having a hard time starting in the cold which was unusual because normally that van runs incredibly well but you know i hadn't driven it for a couple of weeks and it was cold out so anything was possible including your coil shitting the bed uh yeah it was it was just a fucking week man but in uh in slightly more cheerful news, I have figured out what, uh, my, my full roadmap for what I'm doing with the new van after I patch up the rockers. Uh, I'm going to try and pick up a lead uh, transmission I've got a lead on this week, and I have done actual math to figure out the transmission, rear end gear ratios, and tire height that will make this an optimal ride. And I, I think I might have an 18 to 19 mile per gallon van on my hands here. Fuck yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Mathematically, if, if everything I I do pans out, I should be, I should be getting, I think it was 19 and a half miles to a gallon. Now that does not factor in, um, a few things that could increase or decrease the fuel economy. So I'm hoping all of those things just come out in the wash and I get 19 miles to a gallon out of this fucking thing. It just requires me putting in an overdrive transmission and keeping, I, I have a terrible rear end ratio for not having overdrive, but I have the perfect rear end ratio if I have overdrive. So I was thinking about rebuilding the rear end and just decided, uh, it's time to start planning for a transmission swap. Good shit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you were thinking about doing that for a while though, right? You're going to put in a five speed. I
1: fucking love overdrive. Um, yeah. And with this being a very low performance motor, I like the world was my oyster. Like a lot of my other stuff, are, um, doesn't have overdrive because overdrive transmissions have a tendency to grenade themselves under power. Um, right, you know, unless you spend the money for it, and I buy everything from junkyards, so uh, no. But this one makes like 150 horsepower on a good day, so I can put anything behind it and it will hold up fine. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put a T5 behind it. Yeah. Oh nice. yeah. Yeah, if I find the right one, they have like a 0.64 overdrive, which is crazy tall. But if I as long as I I've, I've been all of my research on how to make fuel economy with an engine is like coming to a head right now that I'm like not actually trying to make 500 horsepower. I'm just trying to cruise. <laughs> so I don't know that that's all good. I don't know how hard the actual swaps going to be. But, uh, you know, I'm sure I will keep you guys updated. Yep. But the priority is the rocker because it's full of foam and no metal.
2: Nice. Yeah, that that would be a priority, I imagine. Especially, I mean, if you got to deal with all the inspection bullshit, I, I mean, there's cars around here that you know, oh, that that would never pass any kind of uh, inspection.
3: I genuinely cannot imagine having to pass. Like a full inspection, I, I struggle enough just to get past emissions. Happen, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm fucking, yeah. <laughs> I'm I, look, I'm an atheist, but I'm like praying to God, just like, all right, look, God, I will fucking <laughs> believe if I just pass. Please let me pass.
1: <laughs> See, please- all of my stuff's emissions exempt because it, if it's more than 25 years old, you you are exempt from emissions inspections. Mm-hmm. So I just have to pass safety inspections, and I've I've come up with actually a pretty good little workaround for that. I just don't.
3: <laughs> yeah that would help
1: yeah people are like how do you get away with that and I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> okay
3: yeah I cannot imagine having to pass it because like I if I had to deal with other kinds of problems like that I'm like nah I wouldn't be into cars anymore I'd be like nah nah I'll take my we- Toyota Camry and that's that
1: I, I will say that after uh, a lot of, of uh, uh, trying different things bodywork is like my least favorite thing in the fucking world to do so I'm really excited about this rocker. Yeah, but the bright exactly. side is, it's a fairly simple contour, so I'm not even going to try and uh, order the part just yet. I'm going to uh, grab some sheet metal and see if I can just fab it up myself.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. It, why yeah. not?
1: If I had access to a good, like, a uh, uh, break, like, sheet metal break, it, this, this whole rocker panel would take me, like, fucking an hour. Yeah. But I just have hammers, so it's going to take me, like, a day to do it wrong and... Decide to buy one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, keep us posted on that too.
1: <laughs> I fucking hate him. sheet metal. Is like a, the perfect intersection of art and science. Like there is so much science to it, but you really got to have a, a creative flair for for making it turn out right. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stop bitching about like all of my shit heaps piling up on each other, and and just be done. Those those are the problems that, that I have had. Well, this uh, past two weeks.
3: I guess on to the next round of uh, shit heaps that are piling
1: up. I will say, all of this happened two days after I got laid off. So I didn't ever fuck with my work schedule.
3: That's fortunate.
2: Yeah, at least that's good. Is that all you got there, Brandon? I mean,
1: do you want me to go for another two hours about how pissed <laughs> off I am at everything I own?
2: Uh, I don't know if we have time for that. Yeah, well, let's just move
1: on then. <laughs> okay.
2: So what have I been doing? I uh, I think last time we were re- re- recording, I um, got my MR2 almost done. And since then, I've got it all the way done. Uh, so knock on wood, it's not going to explode or anything. Um, I was driving it around and I heard like a bolt fall off of it. <laughs> no. But I checked and nothing important was uh, missing. So I think it's just like I took a bolt off and I set it down somewhere like yeah. like on the strut tower and it fell off. So, um, yeah. So you with ex- I, I think everything's finished okay. with
3: extra bolts. Good job. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I I mean, I had plenty of extra hardware. It was a little scary at, at first, but then I realized, oh, there's all the hardware that was attached to the old transmission that I replaced. Mm, I so... like that. I'm
3: going to start using that when I show when I have uh, extra bolts again. <laughs> I'm going to be like, "Oh yeah, it was all the extra bolts that I bought." Yeah. That.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I've been driving that around a lot. It's it's really fun. Like I was like, you know, this is this is so much fun it ought to be illegal. And like really, you know, cars that small without airbags and you know, ABS and stuff, they are illegal now. So, uh I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. And at one point I had um there's like a resonator in the intake to make it quieter, and I had accidentally disconnected that when I put everything back together. Nice. Um and I was like, Oh, it sounds a lot louder than, than it was before. I wonder if I like, like, uh, you know, broke the exhaust when I twisted it or something. And then I realized, oh, it was the intake, but it was pretty fun there for a second. Like some guy with a pickup with straight pipes, gave me a thumbs up, you know, it sounded like a real rice rocket. That
1: actually reminded me. I left out a whole portion of problems I had with the Ford. (laughs) Yeah. The one sentence summary, my exhaust just straight up broke. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey nice. that's a ford problem you don't, you don't need it that's a ford problem my ranger did the same thing the whole back half of it just kind of snapped off
1: so i i run side pipes so uh the driver's sides broke in half uh nice i fixed it but goddamn, it's been a couple of weeks guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: well uh so i guess the reason why this isn't uh mostly about the GM streetcar conspiracy is because instead of finishing the research last night, I was working on my uh Sabaru. So now that the weather's a little bit nicer, I've got the the MR2 out on the road and the Sabaru in the garage. I'm going to fix those leaky fuel lines and a couple other things. Oh, yeah, all right. And uh last night I it took me around three hours to replace the spark plugs and do a compression test because it's a Subaru and the spark plugs are right next to the frame rails. I was
3: about to say, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like it's tough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it was a pain in the ass. Uh, Thanks to uh, Zach for loaning me the compression tester. And, um, and I'm a little bit surprised because they're all at 120 PSI, which is not great. You know, it should be like 150 for a brand new engine, but like for something with 120, Uh, almost 200,000 miles on it. You know, it's pretty, pretty decent.
0: It only matters that they're consistent. Yeah. As long as they're they're all the same, you're good.
2: Yeah. They're all like within one PSI of each other. That's great.
0: You're great. That's awesome. Yeah. I was also a little upset there for a second because you said you did a compression test. I was like, what the fuck, dude? I told you like 10 times you could borrow my compression tester. Um, <laughs> apparently you did, though. So, yeah, you're welcome towards. <laughs> I guess you get it back to me whatever. I don't need it that bad.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I, I hope the bottom end uh, holds together, though, because I might have run it low on oil the other day. Yeah, it's it burns a little bit of oil, and um, it was it was making a little bit of a noise, and then I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'll just drive for a hundred miles and not worry about it. And then when I was getting gas, I'm like, I should check the oil, and it was at the very bottom of the dipstick. Uh. So, yeah, okay. I you're don't fine. Know. I've
1: I've done way worse. You're you're fine.
3: <laughs> it's a Subaru, though. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> I've done that, and then um, I had problems after after a little while. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean,
2: it sounded a little bit like lifter tick. So I don't know if these have hydraulic lifters, but maybe just one of them was a little low, and it was only happening like at certain RPMs and only when I accelerated. So eh, I don't it's know. Not the worst thing. Doesn't yeah, sound too bad. But I mean, I put oil in it, and it's it's fine now. So
1: yeah, it'd be all right. Let's Hopefully. go with that. That's that's the great thing about old V8s is they never burn a little bit of oil. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a lot (laughs) of (laughs) oil. Well, you know, sometimes they burn a lot of oil and sometimes they leak a lot of oil, but you always know that you have to check it constantly.
3: (laughs) You'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like the old joke. How how do you know your Harley's out of oil? It's not leaking anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mine, I think it's uh, it's one of the valve stem guides on the exhaust, because last time I took the exhaust off to uh, change the um, the uppipe, um, one of the exhaust ports was a lot blacker than the other ones. So, uh, I mean, as far as like oil leaks, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's just going to smoke out the exhaust sometimes. But uh, yeah, just got to remember to put oil in it. But uh, that's all I've got as far as my stuff. So. Is it Connor's turn
3: now?
1: Yeah, I guess that would be me. Um, this this yeah, feels like I, the big one. I had a frustrating week, but you, you've you got the serious ongoing projects.
3: Um, yeah, I can't remember what I said on the last episode, but look, I, nothing has changed. I'm in the same boat, forever spending money. I've spent a fuckload of money to have a car that runs like a piece of shit. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Not great. Um, So it went to the tuner for the fifth time, I think. You know, they got rid of that, you know, that fix that I had that like took away the misfire. Right. So like that, that extra hose that I was talking about is a goofy ass thing. But like that got rid of the misfire. It just made the drivability really shitty. And so I took it to the tuner and, you know, he tried to tune with that. Didn't work. So then he undid that because he didn't like it. Um, So now it's got the misfire again, Um, but the drivability is better. And it's like, son of a bitch. And they were talking, they're like, Oh, you know, I don't know. We could try a new ECU, which I don't, I I, I feel like I was talking about this last time we recorded and I don't know now, but like a new ECU is fine. Right. I can pick up a newer ECU because they, he was saying the O3s were like some of the first ECUs they that like they use that were a newer style uh and they have issues. And so maybe getting an 04 would help. So I can get an 04 ECU for used for a couple hundred bucks. The problem is I have to then pay for the tuning license. All the tuning features that I had on this current one plus the time to tune it and it's basically like I'm starting the tuning from fucking scratch. So yeah. get a new get a new computer is going to cost me somewhere in the range of another grand and there's no guarantee that that's the issue and like that it bothers me because it's like okay well i mean what is happening when it does the fucking thing that i don't want it to do what is the data telling you what are all this all these fucking sensors what are they saying what you know what i mean and it's like maybe that so go ahead
2: can you when you're when you're if that is the issue can you like When you do figure it out, can you, um, sell off one of the ECUs and the tuning license with it to make up for that? I mean,
3: theoretically I can sell my, my ECU for a couple hundred bucks or something. And maybe I can do it with a tune and say, Oh, look, it's got a tune on it. But like, I, I also don't know if that's good. Maybe I shouldn't, I'd have to ask them and be like, I don't know. Is that something I sell with a tune? Because maybe, maybe that would cause issues. Like, especially if it's like, I don't know what kind of map they'd put on it, but whatever point is maybe i get a couple hundred bucks out of it and i guess that's something but like
1: oh since you're an ancap now you should be very careful about the maps that you're putting on things
3: <laughs> the maps
1: uh that, that's uh, their I, I don't want to ex-
2: <laughs> i don't want to have to explain that please please do that brandon for me <laughs>
1: uh and caps are, are or, or libertarians or whoever the fuck, I think it was specifically ANCAPs, were like getting upset about the term pedophile so they came up with minor attracted person. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. <Ooh. laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Alright, wow, that one, that one, that, that joke really came back, huh? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not that. <laughs> not that. Um, but Anyway, so that's kind of like nobody knows what the fuck's wrong with the car. And, you know, I, me, an idiot, is having to like figure out everything. And I don't trust any shops anymore, <laughs> except the one that like did the assembling of my motor, which like I trust him, but he's not a tuner. He can't fucking, he's like done what he can. He's like, I don't know what's wrong at this point. Everything seems solid. So I'm dealing with all these other shops and it's just like, people. Look at the fucking data. Like there's something going on. What? I, I don't know. So I've got to make um, a bunch of phone calls myself and I'm going to try and call the cam manufacturer and the parts distributor that specializes in Z stuff. I'm going to try and call them and see if they've seen anything like this shit before. Cause like it's got all these symptoms, but like no one can pin down what they're from. Like, I've got the tuner being like, oh, you know, maybe it's could be a bad ECU and there's no way to know until we do it. So, you know, it'll cost you a grand to try this thing that may or may not be an issue, which is just what I love to hear. Um, And then he also mentioned, well, look, be honest with you, that might be what I have to do, but I'm going to make some fucking calls first. And I might try. I'd like to try and find another tuner in the area that I can go get like a second opinion and be like, look, I'll pay you you know, a couple hundred bucks, but like, look at it, try and figure out if what you're seeing from the date, like I got to go do either pursue that route and I'll pay the extra couple hundred bucks to know that like, yeah, Hey, it seems like what they're telling you is probably the way to go. Fine. I'm feeling more comfortable then. But like, you know, I'm just like at a loss that it's like, I've spent all this money and it's like, all right, look, y'all are the fucking professionals. Like why do I have to know all this shit? Like, I don't know, make it work. (laughs) So I got to call, you know, all of these companies, you know, and the tuner's telling me like, oh, I've seen people have problems with the lightweight flywheels and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that could be, but can you explain to me, the flywheel hasn't changed when we did this, like this fix, where you run the hose from the intake to the crankcase that didn't change the flywheel. So why did it change how the car was running? You know what I mean? It's like, if that's, what's causing the issue, then all these other things shouldn't matter, but they do. So like, that's, And it makes me doubt their ability when it's like, hey, here's this thing that you're telling me is a possibility, however remote that may be. But I can be like, well, that's not likely for reasons X, Y, Z. So that sucks. I don't know. I've got to call a few places. I might try and post up in a forum or something, but I'm just not expecting to get good responses because part of my problem is that and maybe listeners can learn from this. I rebuilt, I, with this rebuild, I fucking did everything. All these parts are fucking brand new. And the problem with doing that, which like, there's no way I couldn't not do like, I couldn't rebuild the engine and not put the cams in because then it's a whole job to put the fucking cams in later. I could do the whole job, but like, Oh, but I'll get the heads ported later. Well, again, I'm not taking this shit all apart again in a few months. So I did it all at once, but now that there's an issue, I don't know Mm -hmm. what the issue is. That's, you're like, ugh, great. Um, I was really hoping that when I took this up, I'm like, hey, if I control every part that went into this car, I know everything about it and someone should be able to figure it out. But uh, apparently, someone cannot figure it out. So it's up to to me, a (laughs) non-professional. So Yeah, that's where that's at. I'm not happy about it. Plus, I was driving it the last few days and I thought maybe it was in my head, but it's definitely not. The car is darting around all over the road now after, uh, if you'll remember, I recently had a bunch of shit fixed from tie rods, inner outer steering rack and a, a front knuckle all replaced and the car was driving fine. And then the last few days it was just it was bad, like dangerous to drive darting all over the road so um at first i thought it was in my head it's definitely not but i noticed one of my tires was super low yesterday um and i filled that tire and i have not driven it since so maybe it was just that my tire one tire was really low except it was a back tire and so probably wasn't affecting it that much but
1: you know this reminds me of the joke how do you make a small fortune racing you start start out with a big fortune (laughs) yeah so that's uh that's where i'm at
3: um spending lots of money to have a shit box it's super cool it's just it's super disappointing especially like drifting season is coming up uh soon and my shit i i can drift it i think i will drift it with a fucking misfire at this point um so (laughs) Um, it's going to drift, but, like, I'm going to feel bad if it's drifting and the car is running like shit. Like, I won't feel as good doing it. And i that's what it's about to me. I want to feel good when I do it. Instead of, like, ah, my car's a piece of shit, but, like, I'm going to f- go throw it at a wall. It's not as fun when it doesn't
1: run right. I love how nine times out of ten our podcast is about how much our hobby sucks.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, anyway... After spending lots of money, I feel very disappointed. So don't be like me, I guess. There's
1: <laughs> I two. Know. There's two kinds of car guys in this world: rich and mentally ill. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I start I started this build rich. <laughs> not anymore. Definitely not. I saved for a couple years for this shit. So very disappointing that it's uh, running like this, but I don't know. Maybe I'll figure it out soon. We'll see. Maybe New C will do it. I don't know. Anyway, that's all I got.
2: And and real quick, by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, Subaru stopped using hydraulic lifters in 1997, so it was definitely uh, either piston slap or some bearing making noise in my engine.
3: Maybe so, it was something else. I mean, it could it could be all kinds of things. All all sorts
2: could have been the turbo. I mean that's cheap good. enough and easy enough to replace. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I haven't checked the the turbine for um like run out or anything, so we'll a see a lot
3: of shit can make noise. So you know yeah. let's that's hope all for the best. I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well Zach, what uh, what do you got?
0: Oh man, um I have been pretty lazy uh recently, so I haven't been doing a lot of work, but uh that doesn't mean that my cars don't get new problems. <laughs> uh yeah my subaru is like randomly just not starting uh in the morning uh oh that's that's when you needed to start the most yeah yeah, (laughs) to go to work and stuff no disagree you need to start
1: start the most to get home from work
0: yeah (laughs) yeah if i had no way to work i'd just be like "Ah, fuck it i'm not going to work today cool uh if i can't get home from work it's that's a lot worse for sure.
1: Oh, that actually reminds me that I had another problem with the Ford. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's been a while. I almost couldn't get home from work one night because my starter went.
3: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun.
1: yeah. Everything broke in the last... It, we didn't have, like, fucking... We, we haven't spoken in two weeks and everything went to shit. That's
0: all it takes, really. Two weeks and it could really go south. <laughs> it did. <it, laughs>
1: All of Uh, these problems I've listed, and I think it was about a hundred bucks to fix all of them. Wow, (laughs) that's not too bad.
2: And a few hours of your
1: labor, I'm sure Uh, about a buck twenty. Yeah, nice. The starter on board was a 20 minute job. That's so nice. I miss old
0: cars. I should have never switched to this new shit. It's pissing me off.
1: Well, it's it's a, it's sort of like, a, how do you want to invest your time? Do you want to work on it for five hours now and then not again for a year? Or do you want to work on it for 30 minutes this week, 30 minutes next week,
0: <laughs> 30 minutes <laughs> week after that? It all comes yeah. out in a lot. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't think mine is the starter, although it could be. It could be fucking anything, honestly. I don't know. I've put zero effort into trying to figure it out. It's just like randomly, some mornings, it just won't start. Um, but you know, I have an access port on it, which like can read a bunch of sensors. And so I can read battery voltage and the voltage looks fine. Every time I check it, it just like acts like I don't have my foot on the clutch. So it won't even like try to turn over or do anything. Oh! But then like, if I wait long enough, nine times out of 10, literally, I think it's been about 10 times. it It'll just start to crank over. But one time it just wouldn't. And then I had my girlfriend come out and like put jumper cables from her car to mine and it would have worked. But the voltage never changed on the battery. But for some reason that Mm. fixed it. So I haven't the foggiest fucking idea what is going on. It seems to be way worse when I'm at her house, too. Like it only happened (laughs) once when I was at my house, but it's happened like, yeah, probably like eight or nine times. Yo,
1: your At girlfriend really likes you, and it's sabotaging your car so you don't leave.
0: I guess so. She keeps telling me that I have to be her uh, sugar daddy, um, jokingly. But she's like, "Yeah, dude, you got to start making all kind of money and be the sugar daddy." And I'm like, "That you, you and I both know that's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do for a living. So if that's her goals, she's not doing a very good job of <laughs> letting me be a sugar daddy.
1: I'm like, uh, I got bills
0: to pay, homie. Like.
1: I gotta get out of here. <laughs> well actually, that uh, this isn't really like an update for anything sort of, but in good news, I think I talked to Connor about this. I realized that if my home repairs go smoothly this year and I'm able to work consistently, I'm on track to being able to afford my drag motor for the 2023 season. Oh hell so, yeah.
0: That's fucking awesome, dude.
1: Like the full thousand horsepower build. Yes, yes.
0: fuck.
3: That'll be super cool.
1: I'll be poor as shit when I do succeed at doing it, but like, I might be able to do it. Worth it. Definitely worth it. (laughs) Worth it to get that sweet three miles to a gallon. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, I think that's all I had, though. My car is being weird, and I'm lazy, and I haven't looked into it yet.
1: Nice. I mean, if you got a backup, just fucking be lazy some days.
0: Yeah, I don't really right now, though. (laughs) up with the Ranger? Oh, the Ranger... I think I talked about this. It's been a long time because it's been sitting... Tell me about it, at least. Yeah. I I can't remember if I talked about it on the pod now. Uh, The Ranger is making a lovely ticking noise coming from the uh, torque converter Like anytime I'm on the gas at all. Uh Uh, So I know that the torque converter is going to just blow eventually. Um,
3: I thought it was a new torque converter that you put it, on wrong first and then put on correctly. So how yep, could there be another issue? How could there that be correct.
0: more? There's always more, Connor. There's always fucking more. It never ends. <laughs>
3: I'm starting to think maybe I'm going to stop being a, a car enthusiast and I'm just going to be the non-car enthusiast on this podcast. I'll stay on the podcast, but I'm going to be like, no, I don't fuck with cars no more. I don't know anything. What? How many How that's many cylinders only... do you have? I don't get it. <laughs>
0: I, I, have yeah. genuine- I don't know. If
2: you're doing that and, and being an ANCAP, I don't know if we can allow you <laughs> yeah. to be
0: on here. We we're all right with you being an ANCAP. It's the not being a car person. That we're I mean, the, free market- the, the free
1: yeah, market on the line. There's only one map sensor that we're going to allow on here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I, you know, the free market will figure it out. It's just that uh, the, the state gets in the way, and that's why markets don't work consistently forever and why they've always failed. The I know you're joking, <laughs> yeah. but I'm
1: still just fighting back rage.
0: Yeah, I still <laughs> want to yell at you a little bit. Like I know I can hear the sarcasm, and I still want to yell. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I often know.
1: play the mental game with myself: uh, What would my life be like if I just bought a goddamn Corolla and gave up on this dumb bullshit? <laughs> I don't have an like. My life would be so much easier, but I, I don't know if it would be better. Yeah.
0: It I mean,
2: be. yeah. I mean that the new GR Corolla looks pretty cool. But we don't fucking say. get it. No, no, we did get the Corolla, not the Yaris. <gasps> Wait, we
0: do? Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck, all this shit. I'm selling all my shit. I'm buying a new Corolla. <laughs> yeah, dude. The I'm hot... not gonna mod it, though. So I'll be right back to where I started. It's yeah, not... the hot <laughs> hatch <laughs> game change. is
3: is looking pretty good. I, I I'm starting to be like, you know what? Maybe maybe I can try and find like a Golf R someday. But the problem is those used car prices are so high. I just can't. It's going to yeah, be 10 yeah. years before I can get one. I'm like, fuck. And then it won't be fast anymore. It'll be slow. Oh, and that's they're... the problem. I can't afford a fast car until it becomes slow by that day's standards. And that's how the pricing works. And that's why that's the real reason I hate capitalism right there. That's what, that's what made me a communist <laughs> is the fact that all the fast cars have to be slow before I can afford them. Anyway, sorry. <laughs>
2: no, I, I saw someone on, um, on the Hexfair uh cars community Talking about like, you know, years ago when I was in high school, I really wanted a, a RX-7 and they were like $20,000 and I couldn't afford it. Now they're $30,000 and I can't <laughs> afford it. You know, by the time I can afford that $30,000 car, there'll be $50,000. Yeah. yeah, So yeah,
3: those those RX-7s are, they're going up. That say- was about to say,
0: where can you find an RX-7 for 30 <laughs> grand? Put <Point laughs> in
3: that direction because like, damn, that's a steal right now.
1: the the flip side to my mental game where I wonder what my life would be like if I weren't a car guy. Uh, I also think to myself sometimes like, well, maybe I should just sell 11 of the cars and put all of that money into the remaining one so that I have something like reliable. And I also know that that's never going to happen. The dream of a
3: reliable car is something that does keep me going for, I mean, I'll never have one, but like the thought that, Oh, this will be the year I'm going to get a daily,
1: yeah. Well,
2: that's what my uh, my Saburu was going to be, and then I started modifying it. So,
1: yep, exa- yes, that, that's that's what he's getting at. Though, is, is that you you never have a true daily. It's just somehow you talk yourself into buying something else that you can daily, and before you know it, your daily's <laughs> making three or four hundred horsepower, and you don't have any money and more problems. <laughs>
0: let me
1: let me put it this way: do we, I
0: do we hate cars? <laughs> I we're in abusive relationships <laughs> with vehicles. We really yeah. are. I had a good I had a good girl and I let her go. I (laughs) I bought a cheap ass low mileage Saturn from a family friend like years ago and close to ten years ago now. And that thing was great. Great gas mileage, nothing was ever wrong with it. It was cheap, it was easy. I sold that shit and bought an Audi S4. (laughs) I'm a dumbass and an addict. (laughs) <laughs> and i
3: cannot be helped Oof. Uh, see the s4 is fast
0: when it's works. so fast <laughs> <laughs> when it works it's so fast
3: it's so funny because i've heard the horror stories of your s4 and like i still look around and i'm like man i could get me an s4 then things are fast as shit i would love it they're so tight dude i you wish should, like, i one. could i mean
0: i need someone to suffer with
3: I wish I could afford like a newer um, S <laughs> five, the ones that had like the V eight that like could rev yes. the 8,500 RPM. Oh my God. Yes. I want the fuck out of that. But again, used Dude, car prices gorgeous. are crazy, but yeah, yeah it would be riddled some. with problems, riddled with problems that I could never hope to fix. And I want it still. I want to spend lots of money on it. It's so
0: bad. Yeah. Listen, if you want any Audi S series, you need to have double the money that it costs. Yeah. It's going to cost you that in repairs at least in the first year to maybe two.
3: Yeah. I feel like, um, the thing about cars that like gets me is I'm like, it's that sense of freedom, which is why the personal car exists in America, because we're so fucking alienated from our lives and from yep. our labor. I realized I was like, Oh, that's why we have this hobby, this hobby yep. that hurts us so much. And that's why I just want a car that's fast and cool and, Cause I want to go and drive when I feel pissed off from work because I'm alienated. Yep.
1: <laughs> I actually like, I envy y'all's ability to just want a thing that exists. Cause I'm just like, everything that I want is a thing that I'm going to have to build. Oh, our,
3: our shit like requires serious modification. We can't avoid that.
1: We yeah. can delude ourselves into thinking we won't, but well, then I'm glad yeah. that I at least like stuff that's old enough that the fabrication work is easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that wasn't car talk that was group therapy <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: and it's got like it's got like bike hooks and stuff and I one of the thoughts I had as soon as I saw the bike hooks I was like oh fuck I could have a bike again I could it's been years but I could get a bike
2: especially cuz really, now is this going to be like in the suburbs where there's like no place to actually ride a um, bike and you're going to die if you do or Well
3: look so I actually think the suburbs is much easier to ride a bike than the fucking city cuz the city's I drive in the city for work pretty much a couple times a week and it's fucking scary like that thing that you posted in the slack where it's just like oh this is a shared lane for bikes and I was like yeah that's just a street with a <laughs> that's That city. was the joke <laughs> Yeah, dude, they have bike lanes in the city of Chicago, but like the problem is, you have to cross the bike lanes to turn anywhere. So like, if there's someone there, they're gonna get fucking hit. It's just, it's dangerous.
2: There's the uh, one of the more recent episodes of Well, there's your problem. They had a really good discussion about you know bicycle infrastructure and all the the way it sucks in in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, and then they had that guy from just oh, what's it? Not just bikes. Uh, talking about how it is in the Netherlands and how it's so much better. So,
1: yeah. So
2: this is a part of the podcast where we recommend other podcasts.
1: uh, (laughs) I don't know if we're like uh, putting any of this in the show or not. I don't don't really care, but just as a side note, like I've always held the position, like anytime my friends were like, this sucks. I'm moving to Canada or I'm moving to Europe or whatever, like that, like trite bullshit is. Um, I've always been really steadfast as like, yeah, America sucks and so it's my job to stay here and try and make it better.
0: Right. Um,
1: and the last year has been the first time I've seriously considered like, eh, you know, maybe it's time to leave. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've had that thought too, where it's like, I'd like to make it better, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if this is this is the Imperial core. It might not be possible <laughs> until
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm like staring down the barrel of these people who are just like reveling in their own misery and I, I do that, but at least in a self aware enough way that I'm not inflicting it upon others. So, uh, I'm not proud
0: of it, at least.
3: I have well. genuinely considered moving to Canada, not because I think Canada is like some wonderful No, it's not. It's none of that. But, um, it's, it has very pretty mountains. And I like pretty mountains. That's, that's what it comes down to is I'm like, oh, I could, I could live there because it's pretty. And they also have, uh, they do have some cars that we do not have here. And they're all the ones that I
0: want.
1: See, I'm just, I'm just like looking at like European labor shit and realizing that some of these motherfuckers are getting like five, six, seven weeks off a year. And I'm like, you know what? I might just trade in everything for that.
3: Yeah, I feel you.
2: Yeah. I mean, if I spoke any European languages, maybe I would.
1: English is European as fuck.
2: I was going to say, yeah, and I, I do speak a little Spanish, and that is European, although they, they talk funny over there. They talk there. real funny. I've always...
0: They got that vosotros <laughs> conjugation. I've, I've
2: only learned Spanish from, you know, uh, Latin American folks, so...
3: Well, that's because they speak um, Spanish, not, you know... this In Spain, they speak non... Oh, you just drop the S, and you're like, well, the S is super fucking important to everything they just (laughs) drop it there and you're like oh you know from context i'm like so they just don't say the fucking words is what you it's crazy (laughs) did the the people in latin america speak it correctly and anyway enough
0: spain said no grammar just vibes
2: (laughs) (laughs) i like it um all right so i guess we should get on topic i don't know if we're i'm gonna hit my time target but we'll uh We'll try and get through this. Uh, yeah. Um, you don't need to see the yeah, albumers. Yeah. Well, those are the, those are the bands that my friends are
0: in. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 Never mind. Sorry, that's a big
2: <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll at least go and say hi to them. It's only like 15 bucks to get in. What was I going to say? Okay, so I guess like as i like i said i was going to just do an episode on the gm streetcar conspiracy and i will but as i learn more about this like just the whole history of of trams and trolleys and streetcars whatever you want to call it is is really fascinating and it's really a microcosm of capitalism it's like you know this is a good thing objectively public transit like it gets people to where they need to go efficiently and, you know, and, and if you do it correctly, it's, you know, um, ecologically green and everything. But capitalism went and fucked it all up. And this is kind of the story of that. So and and towards the end, I'll get into some of the labor history, too, because, you know, during the height of streetcars, there were a lot of strikes. It was kind of corresponded with the the heights of labor militancy in the U.S., so it kind of starts with the industrial revolution, like really streetcars were an outgrowth of railroads and, um, railroads were a big part of the industrial revolution and really, you know, getting people to work in a city was a big part of the industrial revolution. So, you know, it, it wasn't really possible until you had railroads when, um, you know, it became possible to manufacture long steel rails or iron rails or what have you. But at least in the beginning, steam engines weren't good enough to be, you know, miniaturized and put on uh commuter rail systems. So you had uh horse drawn tramways. Ooh, um so this came out
3: tra- so like it's a carriage yeah. but for a lot of people.
2: Basically, that's, that's yeah. So cool. like I like that. You know, back, you know, you had stagecoaches and what they called omnibuses in France, which was basically just a wagon or, you know, a stagecoach. Wait, I thought that was moving people at a city. I thought
3: omnibus was like a fucking big old budget bill that we had to stick everything into. (laughs) Is that not what it is?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure where that meaning comes from because it's Latin for uh, for everyone.
3: Oh, okay, Now I get it. I kind of get it. Yeah. Omnibus bill everyone puts their bullshit into it. And then I oh, guess yeah. cool. Sorry. Yeah.
2: No, no, it's cool. I, and if you want, like there's a whole history of the omnibus that I left out of this because it's dumb. But if you want to, if you're a real like language nerd, you can
0: look at yeah, the that. thing
3: that Connor brought up is dumb. Got it.
2: I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry, Connor. I didn't <laughs> mean to say that. This is an etymology in comrades. All right. Get this <laughs> shit out of here. That, yes. That thank you, Zach. That's what I meant. <laughs>
3: That's great.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so
2: like, so first off, you had tramways that were used for industrial um, things. Like, so think like mine carts pulled by donkeys and stuff. And then eventually they got bigger and they started moving, you know, people on them in and out of the mines. And then at some point they were like, um, they were coasting downhill with the horses on board, which I think is just a funny image. Um, that was in Wales,
3: Whoa, I believe. So they, huh. so. Hold on. I'm very confused now. They, they were leading the, the horse carriage... to water. Wait, the <laughs> carriage was pulling the horse now?
2: <laughs> well, it was like, it was on a hill. Um, and so the horses would pull the tram or the train up the hill. And then they're like, well, we don't, we don't need to like, you know, let them, we, they don't need to walk down. We can just, they can just ride down. So we'll put them in this wagon, the special wagon for the horses. And they can just kind of coast downhill. And save them the effort. Wait, where I feel like the horses to... would
1: probably have been way more comfortable walking. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a few miles downhill, I imagine. Uh, this is in Wales. And so this led to the first uh, passenger tram services, uh, the Swansea and Mumbles Railway in Wales in 1807. Um, which I think Mumbles is just a perfect British perfect <laughs> uh, place name. <laughs> But so and, and the advantage of having a, should, you know, should, should we address tram, the fact
1: that you just referred to, to, to Wales as Britain?
2: I mean, it is in Britain. It's in Great Britain, right? I don't know. It's, it's in whatever. Great Britain,
1: but I'm pretty sure they're kind of aren't they like more or less on the same page as the Irish where they just feel like the English can go fuck themselves?
2: Well, I, I mean, know, I... they're part of the United Kingdom. I don't know if that counts as Great Britain. I, there's like a whole weird Venn diagram that someone, I'm sure, has
1: graphed out. But uh, just just take this whole section out because we are so fucking ignorant on the history right there, <laughs> and it is not like a a quick one to unpack. Yeah.
0: So we're gonna uh, have Welsh so people. So many Welsh people in. in our
3: DMs,
2: dude.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone. Hold on. I'm pretty sure everyone thinks the British can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, no. Let's just assume that they probably do.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, <laughs> most of my ancestry is British, and yeah, they can go fuck themselves. Most of my ancestry uh, is it?
1: alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is Scottish. <laughs> the
2: The big advantage of railroads over, like, just horse-drawn carriages was your options for roads at that point were dirt, gravel, or cobblestones. And so, you know, steel rails were a lot smoother than than that and a lot more efficient. So you could move bigger loads and, uh, the horses wouldn't be as tired
3: hmm.
2: and, you know, that for much of the 19th century, this was your best option was to have horses pulling a tram, even in a city. Um, like I said, Small steam boilers weren't really a thing back then. Uh, they tend to explode um, if you and people didn't really like that in the city. You did eventually get cable cars, uh, especially like in places where the, the streets are very hilly and they're like a straight grid system, like in San Francisco, which is why they still have them there, uh, and just for historical preservation reasons. And the idea with this is you had one engine, like usually at the top of the hill, and then you would have a cable that looped. and the the car has like a like basically a pair of pliers underneath it that grabs onto the cable, uh, and that will act like a clutch and sort of move you along. Uh, and then you also have a brake, so you it's like driving a car. You have a clutch and a brake, but no gas, and you're just moving at nine and a half miles an hour uh, consistently. That's your maximum speed. Um, and so these were also seen as more humane than horse-drawn trams uh because the average lifespan of a horse used to to pull a tram was about 2 years Ooh, on the whoa, job.
1: Oh, horrible.
2: Yeah. Horrible. And, I'm, I'm
1: genuinely and, surprised that humanity played a role in in this.
2: Yeah, I mean this was sort of the beginning of the progressive era when they're like, you know, we got to like treat people like humans except for if they're not white, um, but like, and and there was the beginning of the a- animal welfare movement. Um, Wait, what what time what time also.
1: frame was this?
2: This was like late 1800s. So, so like, I'm
1: actually surprised they weren't like, "Hey, this keeps killing all the horses. Maybe we should have some like Irish or Chinese people do this."
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have I don't have this in my notes, but I did come across in Australia they used convicts to pull oh, trains for a while. Fucking,
1: of course God. they did.
2: um yeah so you
1: sucker in hell you son of a bitch that owes the queen five pence what
2: (laughs) (laughs) you stole a pair of socks all right you're gonna do hard labor for 20 years but uh yeah i mean also just like the the horse manure was piling up and you needed uh, stables and feed for them and everything
1: Usually when my problems are all horse shit, it's a lot less literal. So,
2: (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, they did eventually get miniature steam engines, uh, but pretty quickly um, electric uh, cable or excuse me, electric trams were uh, were invented. So the first one was in 1875 in uh, a town that I'm not going to try to pronounce near St. Petersburg. By a guy named Fyodor Perotsky, and that was more of like a prototype. Uh, the first one in permanent service was in uh, Germany, um, near Berlin, in Lichterfeld uh, in 1881. And this was built by uh, Werner von Siemens, uh, so like Siemens, they make a lot of trains today. Uh, and he was in contact with uh, Perotsky in Russia. And so they sort of collaborated on this. And then at the beginning, they just had current going through the rails. Uh, And this, you know, as you can imagine, was kind of dangerous. Like if you accidentally walk on both the rails at the same time, you're going to get fried. And then in 1883, they uh, put in the first overhead wires. And the first overhead wire systems, they they had uh, a little cart that ro- rode on the wires itself, um, and this was called a troller, uh, and this is where the the term trolley comes from. So, it was called that because it looked like, I don't know, like dragging it behind with a fishing line, so like trolling. So
0: we do a little um, bit of trolling. kind of,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this wasn't the greatest because they tended to fall off the wires. And then you had to like find some way to, you know, put it back on there without getting electrocuted.
3: Um, Let me guess, a lot of people got electrocuted trying to do that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, There's a few stories of like, you know, if shit went wrong with the electricity, like it could just make the whole car um, electrified. And then, like, if you stepped off of it and kept your foot, you know, like didn't jump, but like kept one foot on the tram, it would electrocute you. So, like, they had special procedures like that the, the driver mm-hmm. was supposed to do to, to de-energize it and everything. But uh there's a few different people, uh, a Belgian guy named Charles uh Van Depola. De I'm not sure how to pronounce that. The secret to and, pronouncing
1: uh, names is not to say it right, but to say it confidently.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh and then there's a uh, an American named uh Frank J. Sprague or Sprague or something. And they together invented uh, what was called the trolley pole. And this is basically a, a spring loaded pole with a wheel on it that would ride on the wire. And, uh, and then you have just the current go down to the rails or the, the ground. I was
1: hoping it was going to be more um, like a tractor pole.
2: <laughs> no P O L E. Oh uh, yeah. So, I mean, this had uh, some advantages over the, uh, patroller but it wasn't perfect it like required a pretty complex system on the wires but uh sprague was kind of a genius he invented a whole lot of different things he invented a way of coupling cars together and having them controlled by a single person uh which made um uh made subway cars um possible to you know have a whole train and then uh so this was in 1888, and then, yeah, and and so these trolley poles are still sometimes used by uh, what's called trolley buses, where you have basically an electric bus that draws power from the overhead wires, and those are you know a little bit cheaper to, you know, you don't have to lay rails in the street, um, you don't have like cars running over the the rails and uh, complaining about flat tires or whatever. And then there's all, but they've mostly been replaced by something called a bow collector, and then later the pantograph, which is what you see on basically every single electric train today, where um, it can move up and down. It's not just spring loaded, and uh, you can you know connect or disconnect from the the wires. Uh, and those use like use like carbon brushes, I think, to to ride on the on the wires. So by the turn of the 20th century, basically any big city worth its salt had a streetcar network. Um, because back in those days, like, cars were just a luxury for the rich, basically. So for your average person, your options were walk, ride a horse, take a horse drawn taxi or bus, ride a bicycle, or, you know, shell out what amounts to, you know, millions of dollars for a automobile, or take the streetcar. So lots and lots of people took the streetcars in cities. Um at its peak around 1917, the US had 17,000 miles of streetcar lines. Um and even like LA, which we think of as a huge car city, had 1,000 miles of streetcar tracks. And to give you some more another idea like uh at its peak in 1910, Ah, uh, Denver's streetcar ridership peaked at 88 million passengers. Wow! So, and that was in a a much smaller city than it is today, and it's not a huge city either. Um, and I'll have in the next part, I'll have a little bit more about sort of the public uh, public transit history of Denver specifically, because that's you know I know a little bit more than that about about that rather than other cities. Uh, there's also some about LA that I'll go into a little bit more. Uh, that's pretty well documented so in this time period most in most places the streetcar cost a nickel and that was like kind of culturally ingrained that it cost a nickel and they tried to to play around with like okay it's only three cents downtown but then if you're going out to the suburb it's eight cents or whatever and people were like no we want the flat fee we want it to be a nickel and this led to problems later on when there was inflation and people are like, no, it should be a nickel. Fuck you. Actually,
3: um, I actually think that back. Great, yeah. That's a great solution <laughs> to inflation is just, no, this costs this much. And that's what, <laughs> like anti-market <laughs> shit. It's just, no, it costs this much. It costs that yesterday. Yeah. That's why it should cost that today. <laughs> I like that mentality, which by the way, if that mentality held for everything in all markets, prices just wouldn't change ever inflation would cease to exist right which is interesting Uh, but but, uh, of course we live in a stupid timeline where inflation does exist for some stupid ass reason well they have to like somehow
1: magically have extra money for rich people to fucking accumulate
3: (laughs) yep they have to grow so anyway sorry
0: i'm gonna do that next time at the grocery store though You'd be like, no, milk <laughs> is a dollar. It is. <laughs> fuck off. Here's a dollar. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> what are you going to
2: do? Uh but uh, I mean, that does segue in, into what I was gonna talk about next, which is a lot of people just really hated the the owners of the streetcar lines because they were for-profit companies. Sure. And in a in a lot of cities, um, they would give monopolies to the streetcar companies. So it's kind of like Cable or internet companies today, because it was it was a big infrastructure, uh,
1: you know, layout. It's, it's neoliberalism, uh, I mean, but older, which is I guess proto-liberalism. Yes. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on.
3: So now that I am an AnCap, I got to push back a little bit. Do you mean to say <laughs> that because there is large uh, initial investment and infrastructure involved in running a service, that you can't have a bunch of small businesses running these rail lines?
2: <laughs> well i mean that did happen in some cities uh and they would like compete with each other and like tear up each other's uh rails and do shit wow, like that i didn't even um, know that part
3: jesus Unbelievable. <laughs> but like it
2: it like you know capitalism te- trends towards monopolies so like get
3: out what? usually
2: the bigger one would buy out all the uh the small no no
3: ones. no see because um they know that that would undermine the market forces and they wouldn't do that I've been, yeah, I've been assured that that won't happen. So it must be something else. Oh, you know what? The, I bet the state got involved, right?
2: I mean, they did eventually. I'll there you uh, go. I'll, done. I'll talk about that.
1: Communism debunked. <laughs> Cap is right. This is my least favorite bit that anyone has ever done ever. <laughs> I yeah. will keep it going. I'm going to keep it doing. The more, the more you complain, the more I'm going to do it. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. It's what I would do. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: uh let's see so cities provided monopolies to streetcar companies uh and in exchange the companies uh paved and maintained the streets that they operated on um they would you know pave it sweep it do some no removal get all the dead horses out of the way and they also promised not to raise fares uh, at least for a okay. while so i mean that's a good
3: th- deal i like it sort of
2: yeah um, and this made a few people very rich. Um, they called them traction barons because these are often called traction companies, okay. uh, electric traction or whatever. Uh, they operated their own little fiefdoms in each city. Uh, they usually sold electricity via the overhead lines. Sure, um, so nice. they would, you know, they had big, they had their own power plants to power the, the trams. And they're like, Hey, you know, if you're on the line, you can tap into the, the electricity and we'll, we'll work, work out a deal here. And they often mistreated their workers, uh, big surprise. You don't say. So uh, a lot of people did not like these companies and the the owners. Um, and uh, from, from 1895 to 1929, uh, there were s- streetcar company strikes in almost every major city in the U.S. Well,
1: if they and weren't they being were treated often, well, why didn't they just go out and find a better job?
0: Brandon,
3: that's my that's my bit, goddammit. Alright, yeah, you both can't do it. That's
1: too fucking much.
0: <laughs> I can't stay on the pod if there's two of you doing this shit.
1: <laughs> I can barely handle one. Maybe the problem uh, was that nobody wanted to work back
0: then. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, that goes uh, against the party line there. Cause long time ago people work hard. Nowadays people no work hard. Yeah, it's Gen Z and the to stay that are consistent. Problem. Yeah. Yes. It's these young folks. I, the, I the mean young you folks joke, today, but there was
3: not 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 before. <laughs> the young folks in nineteen yeah. ten or whatever were hardworking.
0: <laughs> they were in the coal mine since they were four years old. They were working hard. <laughs>
3: they wa- they went to they walked to school uphill both ways. In the snow. Okay. Now, all, That's
1: right. I don't, the- I don't know if I've like shared this little tidbit, but it's it's one of my fun facts about this particular topic is the the hatred of young people and how they don't do anything right and blah 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 goes back far enough to have been written about by socrates
0: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> yeah so like let us always remember that no matter what time period we're discussing at that time period no one wants to work and it was a lot harder back back when <laughs> and i don't
2: i don't know if it was socrates or one of the other ancient greek philosophers but he's like you know, this new invention called writing is making everyone soft. Back in my day, we would like memorize these Epic poems and all these lily, you know, people nowadays are writing them down and shit. That's cheating.
3: I like how the I, other part of that fun fact, Brandon, is that throughout history, apparently all older generations have literally forgotten all of that history. <laughs> Every time you're like, no, 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 no. These young people are different. This, this time is different. This <laughs>
1: it's a known phenomenon that world war one veterans accused young people of signing up for world war two, just to get a free meal.
0: <laughs> God.
1: Wow. Uh, I've, I've actually like read some like psych- psychological musings on what causes it. And like people, the 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 closest explanation I've heard is that what well, you hit a certain age and you just realize that like you're past your prime and you're being replaced by young people. And, most people just sort of lean into like bitterness and shitty attitudes about that. Huh? Sounds about right.
0: Jokes on them. I'm shitty and bitter already. I
1: I just avoid it by like, as I close in on 40, whenever I see like a 20 year old doing something that I wildly don't understand, I'm just like, all right, as long as you're happy. (laughs) That's a good way to be.
2: Yeah. They're all going to get the anime eye surgery and, Be cooler than us. You
1: know, if that's a real thing, then whatever, dude, I have a split tongue. Like I can't judge somebody for being (laughs) fucking weird. Like,
2: uh, it was some web comic. It was like this guy trying to be cool. And then they're like, you don't even have the anime eyes surgery.
1: How can you be cool? Oh, well, he's like, oh, damn. I mean, my point remains. I like legitimately do have my tongue split. So like, I wasn't (laughs) joking.
2: Uh, fuck. Where was I?
1: I don't know, um, we went off the rails. Zane. Yeah. Oh.
3: Uh, <laughs> damn, I was, I was hoping I was going to make that pun, but one wasn't quick enough.
0: All right. That's because uh, even pretending to be an ANCAP makes your brain work worse. <laughs> 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 All you have to do is joke about it.
1: ANCAP, I just thought maybe you were looking even... at pictures of elementary schools. <laughs> <laughs>
3: ANCAP, not
0: even once. Yeah. <laughs> It's philosophical meth. It's just going to (laughs) destroy your brain.
2: (laughs) Uh, That's a good way to describe it. Um, Okay, so uh, streetcar strikes. Um, There were often, you know, like big old battles and riots and and stuff uh, that lasted weeks. Um, And the owner's tactic was to simply keep the routes running. To counter hostile crowds, the line owners turned to strike breakers. Of course. Foremost among them was James A. Farley, who specialized in streetcar strikes. He claimed to have broken uh, up to 50.
3: The guy bragged about uh, it? Oh, my God. Why was was this guy left alive? I don't. Oh, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he, he died in 1913. So, um, at, uh, what would that be, uh? Thirty. Look, I think my position. I think my position on so, the show
3: is always going to be that unions need to be far more violent.
2: Yes, yeah. uh, I'll co-sign that. Um,
1: I-, I hope that I hope we're about to learn that he died at the age of like thirty-nine, having mysteriously beaten himself in- to death, climbed into a burlap <laughs> sack, and thrown himself off a bridge.
2: That's not in my notes, but I can look it up here in a minute. Um, uh, but he was—he uh, was said to command an army of forty thousand scabs to be deployed anywhere in the country. So yeah, real piece of shit. Um,
3: who were these goddamn? Sc- and- oh, sorry, who are these scabs? I just—who the fuck is in this scab <laughs> army? I don't get it. Why would anyone do this? Uh,
2: Uh, and then much of the sorry go ahead
1: to say a uh, a serious thing but as a joke it was all the people who were pissed off that no one wants to work anymore Uh, yeah (laughs) people whose favorite flavor is boot
2: (laughs) (laughs) was gonna say oh yeah so much of the violence of the 1907 San Francisco strike was attributed to Farley he reportedly cleared 100 million dollars there. Uh, so he was getting rich off of this. Um, Wait, is that adjusted? Was, uh no. Oh. So this is in time period. So he was doing more than 10 million dollars in business in 1914. What? And that 1907 strike in San Francisco saw 30 million or th- excuse me, saw 30 people killed and 100 and 1000 injured.
3: Yikes.
2: Oh, and it looks like he d- died of tuberculosis. So,
1: sorry, it's a
3: failing. See, should have yeah. it should have been a f- more gruesome death.
1: <laughs> tuberculosis stealing union jobs of beating <laughs> <laughs> beating strikebreakers to death.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, things kind of calmed down, like in the 30s after the 1929 New Orleans uh, strike. Uh, but you did have you know, plenty of labor militancy. uh, You know, there was a big strike in Atlanta in 1950. So my favorite example of this was the St. Louis streetcar strike of 1900. Up until then, there had been 10 different independent streetcar companies operating in St. Louis. So this is that, uh, you know, healthy competition. Yeah, the kind Um, that's good and
3: totally works. (laughs) I'm guessing you're going to you're going to continue to say how it all worked out, right?
2: Yeah. Well uh in uh eighteen ninety nine they were consolidated into two different uh companies. Well no no, no but the market the, Saint... the
3: market wouldn't want that to happen, so <laughs> that that didn't happen.
2: Uh, yeah. So the, the St. Louis and Suburban Railway and the St. Louis Transit Company, headed by uh Ed Edwards Whitaker. Not Edward, Edwards. <clears throat> That's interesting. Um and uh it, so in nineteen hundred, under pressure from uh of Excuse me, under pressure of long hours, low pay and poor working conditions, the employees of both companies uh, attempted to unionize as local 131. So Whitaker, the president of one, fired his 3300 workers right away. What
3: the fuck? And what how? How all of them? Yeah, 3300.
2: Yeah. I mean, and he he got uh, 1000 cops to replace
3: them. Uh... <laughs> Oh uh,
2: so, yeah, this is this is pretty, pretty familiar territory for uh, for strikes. So on the first day of the strike, May 9th, the St. Louis Republic reported a full page of riot conditions across the entire city. Uh, multiple by- bystanders shot, unattended lynching, a crowd, a crowded streetcar being stoned by a mob sympathetic to the strikers and uh, policemen assaulted with thrown bricks and bottles. Um, so it sounds like Colorado so, has a
1: long history of getting stoned. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is
2: St. Louis, uh, Missouri.
1: Oh, right. Well, my joke doesn't work as well then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so strikers sought to disrupt service by cutting cables, lighting bonfires, piling boulders, rubble, and other obstacles onto the tracks.
3: Fantastic. Amazing praxis. Yeah. I love
1: it. Man, yeah. I wish I could uh, go back in, fact, in time and teach them about a little thing called Sherman's bow tie. <laughs> Ooh, I don't get this reference. What is Sherman's bow tie? Oh, um, well, we'll be quick. This is wildly unrelated. Um, uh, General Sherman during the Civil War, uh, the Sherman's March to the Sea. Um, he he would uh, when he would march through and destroy an air like he he didn't just win battles, he destroyed infrastructure. And the thing yeah. that his men were known for doing is they would take they would like rip up railroads and take the railroad um, like the, the actual rail itself and heat it up until it could be bent. And they would wrap it around trees (laughs) so that, so that they were not only just destroying the track, but they were making it so that it had to be completely replaced and not just like put back, where it belongs
3: yeah you couldn't just like weld it together <laughs> you have to yeah like it was, once, yeah. once
1: it was torn up it <laughs> was destroyed and so when they nice. would heat it up and wrap it around trees that was called a sherman's bow tie i love it
0: sweet
2: there's a there's one of those like facebook groups that's like um anytime anyone's getting a little bit too confederate it's called a uh, uh sherman did nothing wrong um which i mean is objectively not true i mean he was a Real asshole to Native Americans, but uh, you know,
1: dude, I grew uh, up in Georgia, so Sherman was talked about like the 1860s Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I vaguely remember in school learning that he was a terrorist. Yeah, but for the good guys.
0: I'm guessing they didn't even dare to mention the name. <laughs> yeah. I, I
1: I I genuinely feel like he was. He got a blurb in one textbook in one grade. Yeah, no joke, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but it's the state of education. I thought the South won the Civil War until I was 12 years old.
3: Wow. Wow. No, I've literally heard that the Civil War is taught absolutely, totally differently in the South than it is in the North. I've I've heard that like.
1: Yeah. It's genuinely embarrassing but I can't help like how I was raised where I grew up etc and and yeah like it was just sort of one of those things where you really like the south like the confederacy got high praise the union were the monsters who came in and disrupted our way of life and you know something happened after that we don't discuss it.
3: <laughs> um I don't know how to square this exactly and I know this is off the rails but um I never know how to squ- You got it in there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know how to square this again i i have this more anarchist kind of tendency but i believe heavily in like centralization in as a concept like standardization like if something is true it shouldn't be true in one region and not another right truth is fucking truth and like when you come to the civil war how it's taught i'm just like ah I don't know. I feel like maybe there should be a national or federal kind of just like, yeah, this is, this is how that curriculum needs to be taught because clearly in the South, they're teaching it very differently in a way that is super problematic. Um, and so, you know, in the post revolution world, I, I kind of wonder, I'm just like yeah, a little standardization is good. Um, not everything should be yeah. just like, oh yeah, let the local whatever decide. It's like, well, no, no, no. There's got to be some kind of general... I don't know how to describe it, but shit should be uniform. Truth is generally true everywhere. So, anyway, I don't know. I just wanted to work that in, but, yeah, very weird.
1: Yeah, I I was embarrassingly old before I fully accepted, like, how incredibly wrong my whole view of of that period of history was, like...
3: I mean, I can't talk. I was I was genuinely a conservative until I was technically an adult. So, (laughs) same. Yeah, yeah. I feel like learning how wrong you are is sometimes a better way to come to truth than like just having been right for a long time. I feel like when you realize how wrong you were, it's humbling in a way that is necessary.
1: Well, when when I see somebody that has genuinely good intentions but incredibly bad, in, like opinions and beliefs, but you can tell that they're trying, it just takes me back to what I was like, like yeah. probably twelve to fifteen years ago, and I'm like, okay, you might be heading in the right direction. I'm, I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and maybe you'll can do something constructive with it. But I I, I saw I, I see where I've come from and where I'm at, and I'm like, no, there's there's a lot of room for people to move left.
3: Yeah. And learn
1: and and accept that they were wrong at one point and and grow from that. Because God knows I fucking had to do it. I I, I, yeah. I like I have those anxiety driven like staying awake at night moments where I'm like, oh God, that conversation that I really doubled down on was so fucking embarrassing in retrospect. Yeah. But you know, and
2: like I'm kind of just getting to the point in like reading theory and stuff where it's like, you know, before I was like, I know you're wrong, but I don't know why or I don't know how to articulate it. And now, at least to some degree, I'm like, OK, I know why you're wrong and I can tell you why. And I hope I'm not being an insufferable asshole uh, doing that. But, uh, you know, I'm sure I am sometimes.
1: I just try to admit that sometimes I don't know.
3: Yeah, yeah that's
2: definitely. I mean,
1: that's, thing. that's a good that's a huge yeah. thing.
3: That's skepticism right there. Like just like when you don't know, you say, I don't know. But also point out when other people don't know either. Like, I don't know, yes. but you don't have an answer either unless you have some good fucking evidence. And usually they don't. But I think that's a good humbling kind of thing is they're like, hey, if you don't know, just like know what you don't know, which is why we're generally on this episode, not taking uh, hard positions on Ukraine, Russia, whatever. <laughs> just yeah. too much going on. Just <laughs> not in the purview of cars and comrades. <laughs>
2: But yeah, so St. Louis, uh, 1900. The the people in working class neighborhoods, uh, there was a lot of union membership in St. Louis, um, so they would strike down or you know, put barricades up on the lines, and uh, you know, shut down the 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 trolley in their neighborhood. Um, so like it was a it was a big strike, and you know, there were pretty hard lines drawn between the cops and the strikers, um, and, and the scabs also uh, like at several points, um, the, the strikers tried to dynamite the, um, the, uh, the dormitories for the scabs.
1: I was hoping you were going to say they tried to uh, dynamite the police. And I was like, ah, yes.
2: (laughs) Well, and they succeeded in dynamiting several of the, uh, the streetcars while they were parked overnight.
3: I love it. I love um, it. This is great. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, this this is back in the day, you know, those those great ANCAP days where you could just go in and buy a, a stick of dynamite from, you know, the hardware store. That's the market,
3: baby. The, the government, That's the market. The
2: government to get involved. <laughs> By the way, so...
0: I mean, unironically, we should an, bring that part back. I'm an ANCAP, but fuck. I
3: believe the market works in two directions, and if people have fucking dynamite, that's the market working right there. When <laughs> when strikes happen, that's the market, in my, in my weird ANCAP opinion now. So, strikes are the market, and that's how it works. Although, find me an ANCAP that can explain how unions work, and that's not the market. I'd
0: love to hear it. <laughs> I mean, ANCAPs just think everything is the market, right? Like... Yeah, existence so is workers the market
3: collectively bargaining that's the market to me i don't i don't see why they got a problem with that yeah <laughs> i'm all for the market man
0: oh. i mean evolution evolution is just the marketplace of like <laughs> that's cellular that's ideas or something like everything it's a is marketplace just a marketplace of ideas
3: <laughs> and my idea is that unions are awesome <laughs> and should probably be more aggressive
1: like i'm trying to not buy into the character that you're doing cuz it's it, <laughs>
3: It probably won't make it past this one episode, although this might be a two-part episode, so I might be back. Well,
1: Who knows? I just mean this from the perspective of, like, at the very least, Bryant's got to go soon, so, uh, like, I'm trying to not derail this wildly by arguing against points that I know you don't even believe. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I'm mostly done with this, but I've got a couple more things here. Um, but uh, I, I think this is kind of interesting. Um, Whitaker, the owner of the Um, one of the lines, his own attorney was like, hold up. This is a little crazy. Like, what are you guys doing? So he, he wrote to a local labor commissioner and said, uh, on Wednesday last, a transit car without a light about it, uh, was loaded with armed men. And while the car was running at a rapid speed by the corner of Mississippi and Park avenues, the men in the car, absolutely without a shadow of provocation fired into a hall, like uh, maybe a union hall a hundred feet away in which a few striking employees were assembled and several people on the streets were wounded and the lives of many were endangered. Last Thursday night, a similar unprovoked outrage was committed at the corner of Compton and park avenues where several citizens, some not connected with a strike were seriously wounded. Other outrages of this nature could be cited, which were committed by ruffians armed by the company and loaded on its cars scattered throughout the city. So he's not saying, like, oh, the cops and the strikebreakers are killing people. He's like, some unknown people <laughs> on a streetcar were shooting into a crowd and some people got hurt. So the police board swore in uh, 2,500 citizens in a posse comitatus commanded by a local realty agent. <laughs> uh, what?
0: <laughs> oh my God. Of course. Of course. It's always real estate.
2: And this same guy, John H. Cavender, uh, had played a similar role um, in the bloody 1877 St. Louis general strike. So on the evening of June 10th, 1900, men from that posse fatally shot three strikers returning from a picnic, leaving 14 others wounded.
3: Okay, new idea for the revolution. We all pretend to love cops enough until we get sworn in to be their fucking deputies or whatever. And then we take (laughs) over. That's, that's the revolution right there. (laughs) now we're the cops and we're going to get rid of
1: all the cops. I don't know. If you have enough people on your side that you can flood the police force, you also just have enough people on your side that you can collectively decide to the police. True. Okay. That's a good point. I like that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Sorry
1: yeah
2: so, and then on July 2nd, uh, Whitaker signed an agreement to take back the workers and let them unionize, uh, but then he reneged on the deal. Bastard. So um, it the strike sputtered out in September uh, with no advantage to the workers. And uh, the only real accomplishment was that there was a few sort of like liberal reformers that gained prominence out of this. Um, There's a young lawyer named Joseph W. Folk who represented the striking workers, and he uh, was soon working as the city prosecutor, and he was pursuing a um, corruption charge against the Democratic boss, Edward Butler. Uh, And then in 1904, he became the governor of Missouri. So, I mean, he rose to prominence and did a few good things, but I don't know. So there's also the election of Mayor uh, Rolla Wells on a reform platform and uh, and an expose of St. Louis corruption by Lincoln Steffens, who I think was a, a newspaper reporter. Um, so Whitaker basically had no consequences from this. He was, you know, rich up until he died. Uh, and in 1910, he became president of the Boatman's Bank.
3: Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. This, this guy has the experience to run a bank too. Why not? <laughs> fuck it who cares i hate, I hate yeah
2: it.
0: it's because he has money oh, and duh. banks have okay. money Duh. yeah that's true that's how it works obviously he's very qualified <laughs> all you need is to have money to do anything in business because well, businesses deal with if you money, have so money if you have money you
1: have money obviously true. you're good you're, at any if business you have the money you're good at business that's that,
0: yeah it's an
2: indication of virtue duh. yes
1: I hate that you're obviously right. saying it sarcastic, but that's also how things actually get handled. <laughs> well, the market has decided <laughs> that oh, that God damn person it. should
0: be successful. <laughs> <laughs> uh. If the market does one more fucking thing in this episode, I'm going to lose it.
2: Yeah, uh, Connor, show us on the doll where the invisible hand of the market touched
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, the way
3: I see it, Everything that happens is a result of the market, right? So all these horrible monopolies and worker abuses are somehow, well, I guess they're the market, but the market's good. Just it's when the state gets involved that it's bad. Then that's when the market does bad things, which is why it's done all these bad things throughout history. It's the government. The market's great.
0: Uh, You know
1: why I'm a communist? (laughs) Because yeah. I, I used an analytical framework and some historical research and I realized that communism has been the one large scale system that has uplifted people involved. It Has it made mistakes? Sure. But that's praxis is learning from your mistakes. And the interesting thing I, I think about uh, libertarians and by extension, uh, ANCAPs and equally neoliberals, is that uh, it's entirely theoretical based on very little and the only like real life tangible examples that they could really try and use went catastrophically wrong.
3: Well, it just hasn't been tried properly yet.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, uh, <laughs> I'm
3: committed to this character now. I'm an AnCap on this pa- podcast.
2: Yeah. Capitalism works great on paper, but you know, <laughs> real capitalism hasn't been,
3: <laughs> I can't even, <laughs> Uh, I quit. Um, so well, anyway, basically, Brian, we're we're <laughs> leaving us in a situation where the streetcar um, industry was like its own industry that kind of grew out of the the rail industry. It's just like rail for cities, and it was early yeah. public transportation. And so, yeah. I assume the next episode is going to be how. Car manufacturers had a certain interest in undoing that um, for their benefit?
2: That's definitely part of it. Like it was a conscious effort um, by all these car companies to sell, um, you know, a a car to every American or at least a bus to the bus lines. Um, And of course, there was an actual conspiracy with General Motors, Standard Oil, and I think Firestone Tires to um, promote buses Hmm. over uh, trolleys. But it was also a large part of it was just market forces. It was, you know, (laughs) it was just capitalism screwing up something that was good. And um, there were all, it was a very, you know, complex thing. You can't just say this one guy, you know, um, Sloan or whoever, conspired in a smoke lit room or smoke filled room, excuse me, that doesn't make sense um, to, (laughs) to, uh, you know, destroy the, the trolley system because he was evil. It was a lot of different people acting selfishly in the market to, you know, create the world that we live in where cars are prominent. So, yeah. And I do have one more quick thing about the uh, St. Louis streetcar strike Samuel Gompers of the uh, AFL Called it the fiercest struggle Ever waged by the organized toilers Up to that point And eventually it did have 14 dead and around 200 wounded Jesus uh, Which was more than the Pullman
1: strike of
3: 1894
2: Yeah, wow um, God damn
1: It's so wild that the market would open fire on them like that
2: Yeah <laughs> And and maybe I'll have a little bit more of this um, on next episode, but uh, the San Francisco strike of 1907 saw 30 people killed and 1,000
3: injured. Holy
2: shit. So
3: wow. This
2: was, uh, like I said, the height of labor militancy in the U.S. was around this time period, uh, you know, around 1900 to, uh, or maybe 1895 to 1930 or so. Yeah. That was when you know a lot of people especially communists and anarchists were like we're we're done taking this shit from you capitalists we're gonna you know dynamite your shits and it's notably take back some
3: notably uh before walter reuther's time interestingly enough i wonder (laughs) yeah i wonder if those things are related (laughs)
2: yeah so yeah um next up i've also got i mean we'll do this on the next episode but i've got like the early version of uh, Uber that came around when uh, when cars were uh, a first first a thing, <clears throat> and um, and then like I said, the GM streetcar strike. I'll probably go, or excuse me, the GM streetcar conspiracy, uh, and we'll probably go into a detail a little bit more about how um, Alfred P. Sloan was a real piece of shit, and um, you know even through like the 1950s was. Uh, you know, destroying, uh, public transit. And, uh, you know what he was instrumental in the building of the, uh, interstate highway system.
3: Oh, nice. um, Yeah.
2: Eisenhower administration Great. So, yeah. And, uh, and then maybe we'll have a little bit more about modern light rail and, um, how it's kind of come back since then, but that's all I've got for now. Um, anything else before we close it out guys?
1: I, I would like to formally object to the character that Connor keeps, keeps doing.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not too jazzed on it myself. Uh, to be I honest. understand the role that it's playing, but it it forces me to sidetrack myself every six or seven minutes.
3: <laughs> when, uh, like, well,
1: I gotta spend ten minutes arguing this point that you don't even believe.
3: <laughs> uh oh man yeah look i'm sorry i see it in real life and it just horrifies me and i need to make a joke out of it (laughs) because people really believe this shit (laughs) yeah this is me this is me lashing out to a fucking horror that i see in the real world way too much
1: and caps are just the market version of christians (laughs)
3: look i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna here's a hot take um i think that they're actually somewhat ideologically consistent more so than liberals and conservatives at least they fucking admit they're like well yeah that bad thing is just that's the market i'm like all right well at least you're consistent but you know they treat capitalism is a religion and they're just the fundamentalists and like any religion the fundamentalists believe it the most they are the most consistent they're like yeah these people should be stoned look it's in the book they don't come up with bullshit rationalizations like oh well, it's a metaphor oh no when god said you could own slaves he didn't mean slaves it was uh servants he just was bad with words the creator of the universe he's bad with his words <laughs> the fundamentalists at least are like it's in the book. I don't know. That's the market. That that's how it works.
1: I don't know. It sucks. I don't, but I don't know if consistency is something to be praised when the only thing that you're being consistent about is being wrong. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair, but I don't know. There's, that's like there. That's like being in school and saying like, well, I mean, I I was consistent. And that's why I got a zero because I was wrong about everything. <laughs> unlike these these wishy washy people who got a sixty because they were at least right once in a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you know they say getting a zero percent on a test is just getting is just as hard that's as true. getting a hundred percent. So you know, they they know all the right answers <laughs> and they just intentionally avoid <laughs> giving them. So you know there's something there i guess i don't know I, I think i mean whatever your philosophy is
2: or religion or whatever like you should at least be open to different ideas and be able to consider them and you know maybe reject them or maybe say okay
3: maybe unless you're a communist or like, anarchist in which case that's it you've reached the end you've got the right answer
1: no more looking <laughs> that's it is done <laughs> i would say between every three and six months i have a crisis of faith about my own beliefs. No, that's fair. And I and I questioned everything and I start doing reading again and like just because like just the world just wants to beat you down. Like everyone is so certain that you're wrong. It's hard to like have absolute faith and certainty. So I do like routinely question myself and you know what? I usually end up back at the same place I started or extremely more radical. I mean <laughs> and your positions are stronger yeah.
0: for it. Frank yeah,
1: I'm not embarrassed that I occasionally question myself
3: yeah that, like, that's a that's a thing to be proud of. wear that like a badge of honor,
0: yeah, you should be embarrassed if you don't you should, like if you never question your own positions or beliefs <laughs> yeah. that... if you're <laughs> listening to this
3: podcast and that sounds like it might be you, it's okay, don't worry for real i'm I'm being genuine, but question it now is the time.
0: hey yeah sorry to sorry to call you a piece <laughs> of shit, but no, you should. <laughs> Like for real, you should yeah should question yeah
1: I, I question everything my my beliefs like the, the role of religion whether I should get out of bed that day yeah. like <laughs> yeah
2: that'll give you something to think about listeners and uh, I think we got to get going here yeah. so uh, we'll be back next
1: time with with more about streetcars check us out on social media and all that oh good yeah stuff. yeah
3: yeah the we're on uh, Instagram Twitter Reddit Facebook uh hex bear which is the old Chapo chat yep um yeah so come check us out go ahead and rate us on your various podcast apps you know whatever five stars or whatever it is i don't know thumbs up whatever whatever you got give us a rating give us a follow come hang out with us on social media um i am addicted to social media so you'll you'll find me there a lot of the time
2: <laughs> yeah same uh but uh, wasn't going to say. Uh, I don't know. It left my head. So we'll pick that up, I guess, next time.
3: All right. Bye, everybody. Um, yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Um, would it surprise you guys to find out the only ANCAP I know in real life is also a Christian? <laughs>
1: uh, no. I, I can beat that. The only, like, hardcore libertarian, possibly ANCAP guy that I knew in real life was a convicted pedophile. <laughs> Oh my
0: god! My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit.
1: When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism hoists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment. And then it does an interesting thing. It eventually begins to devour itself. If the paladins of corporate America want to know what really threatens our way of life, it's their way of life.
0: It don't matter if you win
1: by an inch or a
0: mile. Winning's winning. Uh,
1: It's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy, the billionaires and the Bolsheviks. <laughs>